Blog Talk Radio. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that bad. I remember sitting there wishing I could just scream out loud and beg for help. But I knew if I did that, I would never see Mark again. This is the thing about real life. You can't experience the great things without the bad things. I felt like it would probably do better off if we didn't exist. And, um, you know, came up with a plan on on how to end it. He talks about a seven-year-old child. Mm -hmm. even if he's referring to actually an adult. So let's say we change that to an adult. There's a woman shudders because the man kisses her even passionately. The fact is that he shudders. You do a big apology to me and give me my kids back. I'm still shocked by the evil. I, 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 yes, even to this day. When I see a video of a former friend or family member, I'm like, this is pure evil at work. All right, we're going to come get some extra Scientology. This is part two with Marie Bilheimer. Uh, where we left off last week, uh, Aaron Pullen had uh, been speaking divorce, and Marie told him that she doesn't want to. She doesn't care about uh, the challenges they were being faced with in the Sea Org um, as a married couple. And we're going to pick up right where that left off. But first, I want to address some of the lunacy over in social media going on. Um, I've been asked by a lot of people. Uh, who I respect and who are friends of mine to not talk about this, to not give these people uh, the attention they want. Don't don't address this. And uh, I'm sorry I have to because I'm so frustrated about it. And uh, I'm going to address it right now. I, I, of course, am talking about the flat earthers. Um, yeah, you know, the flat earthers uh, have been driving me crazy, and they're not all Scientologists, not all Scientologists are flat earthers, but the ones I was talking to are, and, are, and it's just impossible to argue with these people because you tell me, say, hey, do you believe a space shuttle goes into space? Absolutely. And you see the camera and the pictures from the space shuttle of the Earth? Absolutely. What shape is the Earth? You go, oh, come on. <laughs> what kind of lenses do these cameras use? A fish-eyed lens. And that's where you kind of end the conversation because you know you're not going to win even though you're right. But I kind of tell you what's been frustrating and why I had to bring this up today and why I finally wanted to talk about this just briefly is um, I pretty much got this out. You'll wake up in the morning and the sun is round. You go to bed at night and the moon is round. Uh, most things in the universe are formulaic that way. Mammals, two eyes, two ears, nose and a mouth, all that crap. Rocks are round mostly. The planets are around. Um, yeah, case closed. I'm done with it. That's all. I just wanted to say that. But right now, enough of that uh, silliness and nonsense. Let's get to part two of Marie Bilheimer. And the next night he had come home, which was when he had told me he got a ticket. It was like 2 or 3 in the morning. I didn't have a license or anything, so I didn't really understand it. And he was saying how... It was very foggy, so he had pulled over. Um, he didn't want to drive anymore. And it was foggy that night. Um, and that he ended up getting 
some sort of ticket for something. And I, I didn't really understand it. And he's like, I gotta go to court. And I just, I was like, I really, I don't get this. Um, and, uh, then we were kind of, we were separated for a little bit and we would see each other here and there. And then he comes home one night and I said, you know what, we can move. Uh, they had just opened up an apartment building that they, that, that Scientology, that the fear had purchased, um, directly across from CT, um, which was where he was now located was at CT at this point. And, um, some of the marriage, the like cross posted marriages were right. getting located there because it was easier and it was newer and nicer. And I said, you know what? Um, I will, that's fine. We can move there. It'll be easier for you. I can be the one having to take, you know, the, the shuttle back and forth. Um, and if that's what you want, I will work that out and make it happen. Um, and, he was like, you know what, no, it's okay, don't worry about it, um, you know what, but today I realized um, it's just my head ethics, and I do love you. Um, and he had said, I have to go back to post, we are doing an all-hands, um, and do you have, um, wanted, like, wanted to have a couple bucks or some, a little bit of money so you could get, like, a soda or something, and I'm like, I'm sorry, it's Paydays tomorrow, and I need to go in session, and I need the money to buy food to get sessionable. Wow, too, money's too tight for a soda right now, at this point. Yeah, yeah. And I needed it to go in session. I had to get food, right? My own food to be sessionable, and I couldn't give him a couple bucks. And he got that, and he's like, "Yeah, I get it. Okay, cool." Um, and he was doing something at our dresser, and. I'm pretty sure he was standing there writing his notes. Oh, wow. Before you continue, it sounds to me like he was trying to, that when he asked you for a divorce, that he wasn't necessarily unhappy with the marriage. He was trying to unload the burden from you. I don't know. Um, Maybe. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so then he kissed me goodbye, and he laughed, and I went to sleep. Um, the next morning, it was probably the only time it had ever happened. I forgot to put my rings back on. I took them off for some reason to put some you know, lotion on or something, and I just forgot to put them on. I ran out the door. I run down the stairs um, literally feet from him mm-hmm. and ran to ran to how you know, we talked about this on, on Aftermath but how do you go from hearing about this to back to post how how does that even happen? And I'm not criticizing you for doing it. I mean, I understand. I understand what what happened, but but what is it going through your mind? And, and how do you find yourself doing that and not losing it right there and then? I think that my my mind was very messed up because I started 
kind of fighting against, internally fighting against, I'm supposed to be dedicated, I'm supposed to be strong, I'm supposed to be able to just pick back up and move on, and I'm trained, I'm audited, and I, this is a deterrent from everything that we're doing, and they have, there's like, you create all these reasons why in your head to enforce why it was wrong and, and what you're doing is right. Um, but then I just started feeling like, this is crazy. I I just want to cry, <laughs> and I don't want to be here. And I want to be with my family. Like, what is that such a big request to be able to just not be here right this second? Um, and and yeah, like I would I would be on post technically, but I was really incapable of doing anything. But if one of my you know subordinates or juniors in the org would come up and and ask me something and I would be, have tears in my eyes. I couldn't tell them anything. And I just, I got to the point where I, I couldn't, I'm like, I can't physically do this. Everything is reminding me of him. And I didn't they said, well, we can send you to Anzo, we can send you to Australia, we can send you anywhere in the world so that you are in a different location so you're not reminded of Aaron. And I'm like, but all of my family is here, so I need oh. my family. Well, that's a load of bullshit. Uh, how are you, how is that going to, nothing's going to make you forget about your husband. They actually... They actually try to push that on you. They wanted to relocate you so that you could forget and bury yourself in your work. Yeah. Wow. And I could even go, I, they said you, could, you can even go to a Class 5 org if you want to and still be a steward member and we'll post you in a Class 5 org somewhere. Wow. Um, but my, those, those options only led to back at Pack Base where I was even more reminded of him. And so I didn't want to leave L.A., and I didn't want to be posted somewhere that I would be reminded of him. And so Kirsten at OSA and said, do you feel that you should leave? And if you do, that is fine, and that's what we'll do. And I said, yes, I think that I should. Um, but what you don't understand is that even if that conversation took place with her, everybody else that's involved instantly turns to the ethics side of it and treats you like an it's you call it ethics particle. You're you are a, you might as well just be a, your files and your pieces of paper. Like you as a person aren't considered. Um and And neither was Aaron, right? My, no. And in and my my during our my the ethics person in my org would come up and say things to me and I would just look at her and say, you never will know what I'm going through, and I don't care what you're saying to me. I don't care. You, you'll never know. Um, and I was switched from the counseling, and which wasn't working anyway, um, and, in, and immediately on to the interrogation aspect of, 
leading the series. So normally when you leave, you get what's called a leading staff spec check or security check. And um, it's, I think there's a set list of questions, but it's supposed to be about, like, you know, anything you've done in the field, any crimes or overt you've committed so that when you leave, you are, you know, you have a clean slate. And sometimes you might even just decide to stay if you get through that because you've come clean and you're like, oh, I'm a better person now. I've gotten right. off. Um, yeah. Um, so, but mine was specifically about Aaron and anything I had done to him or missed about him Jesus. or any crimes that are over associated with him. You're so bad for just being married to someone and losing them. That's that's what it comes that's what it comes out like. Yeah. Why why would and, <sighs> All right. Go ahead. And you missed things. You missed it. You missed it. It enforces that I missed it. You Oh, Marita, you were kept from your husband. You were never around him. You were constantly told what a screw up he was. They wanted you to leave him, but it's your fault. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, but, and that they never are to blame. Never. Those are the things that, it, that that action enforces that he was wrong, he was bad, I missed it, I had my own mutual out of fix with him, and the cause of this was never Scientology or the Seer. So according to ethics, according to Scientology, there was something about you. Like, they're, say, they're basically saying he did it because of you. Am I, am I wrong by saying that? Or is that what they're saying? Um, they didn't go that far. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. I was just making uh, sure, okay. But, but no, it's implied that, that, that I missed the fact that he was committing all these crimes that got to that point. Right, it's like a responsibility factor, kind of like the, the smear videos. It's, right. it's, it's on you because yeah. you were supposed yeah. to be watching him. Wow. It's so screwed up. Yeah. It's so screwed up. And, um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, so so what's, what's next on this? I'm at, a, I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, so I left the store. I got a job at a wise company, um, and... I kind of just slowly started distancing myself from it. I didn't I didn't really reconnect with many of my Scientology friends prior to the Sea Org. Um, and I I kind of just started to slowly see that things were wrong um, and allowed myself to look at a few things online. Um, and started questioning things, and then I had heard, um, I think it was on NPR, this, a story about um, LRH's war records and those being falsified, and that the injuries that he had claimed to have sustained, that then he created Dianetics based off of, those were never recorded. Um and so I'm sitting in my car. I literally had picked up food, and I'm sitting in my car. I couldn't get out of my car. And normally before that point, I would have turned off 
the radio or switch the channel and not allow myself to listen to something. And I sat there and I was thinking, if that's true and his war records are wrong and he never had those accidents, then Dianetics is false and everything in Scientology based off of that is false. Yep. Because that's the foundation of it. And it literally started just to, like, crumble. And it was, it was, it was something hard to give up, though, too. And it took, a, it took years after that, still of eventually going, oh, I'm not a Scientologist, and being willing to even say that out loud. Yeah. Did you still have a little bit of that, like, what are people going to think when they hear me say something? And, you know, what, what, where's that going to leave me? And did you go through any of that? I mean, it seemed like you said that you've already shed a lot of your a lot of your contacts by then. Well, to a degree, but I still worked for a Scientology company. Right. Um, and I did still have some friends that were. Um, and then my, my new husband had a lot of... Um, friends and my family and my mom was still involved too and my and my stepdad so there definitely were still a lot of connections but not so much on a personal basis but um yeah so I mean there's a lot of other aspects to my family and what we went through and my company and what we went through in terms of disconnection um and the various fallouts over the last three or so years. Um, so I don't know how much we'd want to delve into that. It's kind of a different aspect, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, how how much time do you have? I think it'll probably take probably what, another 15, 20 minutes to, to, to probably just, just to lightly touch on what we... Because we, we actually... It's so funny. People who are listening, we did a pre-interview where we talked about Marie's story and the stuff we talked about today in the last hour wasn't what we covered in our pre-interview, <laughs> right? No, I didn't. But it was really great. It was a really great conversation. It would have been would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the other side of it was essentially that my. Um, so my mom and my stepdad were still Scientologists, but the four siblings of us were pretty much not um, at this point. My eldest sister, Allie, she never really had been into it um, ever since she was about eight, I would say. Um, she had a bad experience on um, what's called the objective processes, um, and she just never really wanted to do it. Real um, quick, what's the objective processes? Said, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> is, is there no real quick to it? <laughs> well, there's gonna there's like people could explain some of the other aspects to it. It's what they are now calling the Scientology rundown or something like that, uh, the SRD. Um, but basically, it's there's hundreds of them, and it's these like objective meaning you're getting into contact with objects and things and moving things or touching things or walking over and touching something. And um, it's all to basically get you into present time, they call it. Um, okay. You're not stuck somewhere on your track. You're right now. You're in the now. Is this similar to TRs um, kind of thing? 
the TRs and the objectives go normally hand in hand. There was a course called TRs and Objectives where you'd learn, you'd do practice the TRs, and then you would audit another, you would back and forth co-audit with somebody the objectives. Right. And yeah. it sounds simple. It sounds like, like really not very like dangerous or problematic, but I hear people tell horror stories from how much it messed with their head. Because you're doing these things repetitively until you can get to their end phenomena. The, the, and if you're a kid, you don't get it. And as you get trained as an auditor yourself and as you're growing up, I would start getting it where I'm like, oh, I know what you're supposed to be getting out of this. So you could then think, oh, did I get that, did I get that phenomenon from this? Did I re- reach that goal? Um, especially if you're an auditor because you kind of already you have both sides. So you know what you're working towards. So as an, as an auditor receiving those processes, it's a little bit easier for you. But as an 8-year-old child who hasn't had any of the training, then you're, you're not going to instantly come up with whatever this idea that LRH develops is what you should be getting out of walking back and forth between walls and touching things. Okay. So if you're going, if you're doing that, if you're doing that repeatedly, and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore, and you're crying, and you're like, then you're told, no, you just have to work through it. The way out is the way through, and you're like fighting them, and that that's part of that to to them. That that's like, oh, you're working through something. Meanwhile, you're just like, this is fucking crazy, and I want out. Right. So, um. So anyway, so. That was my eldest sister. She never was really into it. Um, then second in line, Sarah, she joined the Sea Org at, a, I think, 15, but left by 16, and from then on was never really involved. Um, and then Nicola had joined the Sea Org, um, struggled a lot um, with being transgender in the Sea Org, and constantly being told you're out ethics, you're aberrated, the way you're thinking is wrong. We have to, like, beat that out of you. Not literally, but... Um, uh, audit it out? Uh, yeah, but they wouldn't even audit it out in terms of, like, you're going to get Scientology counseling. It's only ethics and interrogation. Only. Ever. That's worse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Eventually, so I was, a lot of times I was also trying to protect her um, because it was like they always wanted to take her out for one reason or, or another because of this qualification thing. But at the same time, she was um, in a position where she was she was doing like 3D renderings for their ideal org. And if you were to hire somebody outside of the Sea Org as a professional to do that, it would have been very costly, and so it's sort of like her worth. Because of her worth for that, she was a, she was able to stay there. But when Aaron passed away, um, and she was connected with our family, she was also kicked out because of her qualifications. Well, to them because of her qualifications, and having having had been suicidal herself in the field. Um, which they didn't communicate to the rest of my family. I don't, 
I'm assuming that they did to my parents, but my parents were Scientologists, so they wouldn't look at it in any other way than Scientology. But my other sisters, not knowing, didn't know that this was a person that needed as much help as she might have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she posted on an ex-Scientology website anonymously about her experience being trans in the Sea Org. Um, and OSA obviously trolls that, found that, determined it was her because, I mean, how many, I don't know how many trans people are in the Sea Org, but I don't think there's that many. Right, it's not necessarily um, something they, they promote, right? Right, and I, I mean, she, I guess she left one thing that could have made it clear that it was her. And so OSA takes that to my parents, and for a couple of years they're trying to get her to remove that posting, and my mom is... Um, you know, fighting up against them and trying not to let Nicola get declared and just going back and forth. Um, and meanwhile, my eldest sister, Allie, was struggling with depression and alcoholism, um, and she ended up taking her own life, um, which kind of was... Hmm where the rest of our family started to fall apart. I'm sorry um, that happened. Yeah. Um, and so at that point it felt like my mom gave up the fight because she just wanted to do Scientology and because Nick wasn't going to back down, she she just said, okay, I'm going to cut my ties. I'm, I want to do Scientology. My children are not in it. And she probably attributed a lot of what had happened in our family to that. Um, hmm. And so Nicola got declared. My parents disconnected. I refused to. My other sister refused to. Um, meanwhile, my, my boss got declared for something else. Uh, we, we were losing, I think I counted, like a dozen executive technical staff and vendors that up and quit. Um, and meanwhile, I was having two children. So throughout this, I was either pregnant or on maternity leave or, you know, having kids up through the night or whatever it was. Um, and and then my mom disconnected from me while I was pregnant with my, my second child. My other sister was pregnant as well. Um, and my daughter and her only grandchild at that time was not quite one. And I wasn't even declared yet. It was another nine months before I got declared. So my mom didn't declare from me. Nicola, if I can ask about her real quick, um, just for clarification. And and stop me if I get insensitive because that's the last thing I want to do on this because it is sensitive. Uh, Nicola was born a boy, is that right? Yeah. And was there a sex change or just identifies as female? Um, she identifies as female, and there is a degree of transition, um, but I don't know to to what level she plans on taking that. Okay, so it's still a, it's still a working progress type of thing, um, if I could say it like that, I guess. Um, but th- it's already yeah. something that it's like the last 
it's like that last piece of acceptance in the world today that people are still struggling with understanding. And yeah. for someone to be transgender in today's world, even in that world back then, in this you know in that time frame, there's enough struggle. From what I under, I, I I don't know personally, but from, from what I understand, there's enough struggle with accepting yourself, right? I mean, I mean yeah. uh, that that you don't need what Scientology does to you on top of it to compound it, and and it seems like that's what was yeah. happening here. Yeah, and and the Scientology thing has different effects on people mentally. I think um, it's it's stuff that I'm still dealing with and struggling with in my regular life of having to analyze. Am I thinking or doing something like a Scientologist? Am I saying something like a Scientologist? Because especially if you're born and raised and you don't know anything else and you're taught everything you're told, then by the time you're 30, you're like, am I saying something weird? <laughs> right. Is it, you know, like, or you have to just stop yourself and be like, okay, that's not me. i got to go with my gut feeling on this, but that's not the way that, that I should be looking at something. I just sometimes have to think before I do something or think before I say something. Um, because even if people are accepting of it, it's very hard to explain something. Right. So I said, and you know, we were talking, I was talking about my son with my neighbor, and he was saying, yo, you could get him into acting or whatever. And and I was explaining that, you know, he, he can really mimic and he picks up on tunes and he gets the melody and the, um, you know, kind of, he can really, like, imitate things very well, but in Scientology, you call that duplication level, and so I said, and I thought about it, and I'm like, these two words are just regular English words, so I think you get what I'm saying, and I said, yeah, he has a really good duplication level, and he turned and looked at me blankly, and I'm like, <laughs> and, I at, oh, and I'm like, is that a Scientology thing? He's like, yes, that was a Scientology thing, <laughs> right. like, okay, and then it took me like five minutes to try to explain like what it actually means in Scientology, so, oh, man. Yeah, and also you just don't want to feel like people are looking at you as like, oh, you're this, like, delicate cult survivor, right? Mm. And, like, kind of treat you as pig gloves. Yeah, I, I kind of find myself um, dealing with that where I want to make sure that I'm sensitive to what you've all been through, but at the same time, yeah. I don't want to get too comfortable because then you start forgetting too at the same time you know what I mean it's kind of a balance for me delicate balance yeah but also like okay so just for an example with one of the producers for the aftermath mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a little bit too sensitive to it where I'd be like come on I'm not like I'm not a mental charity case like you can <laughs> you don't want to be treated differently right <laughs> oh yeah like, yeah, we've been through all these things and they were super shitty, but you can still just, you don't have to talk to me like I'm very delicate, you know? Right, right. And, you know, you've, you've built a life for yourself. You have a family and, and things are going pretty good right now. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I have my, my kids. I have my three-year-old daughter and my son is a little over a year and a half. 
Um, Good. Which has been pretty intense. <laughs> right, right. How do they feel about all this attention that you're getting? They don't know anything about it. Are you serious? You just sort of keeping them out of it? Well, they're so young. Um, I mean, the only thing is, like, my daughter has started recently asking me, who's your mom? Where's your mommy? Um, so, <laughs> that's been a little challenging. <laughs> Because um, she knows, you know, she has a grandma, and she says, is grandma your mom? And I said, no, that's daddy's mom. Um, and I hadn't quite come up with an acceptable answer that I felt comfortable with, but that wasn't too weird to tell a three-year-old, right? Right. So, are you hoping uh, by the time, are you hoping by the time you have to explain that, that maybe something will change? I'm hoping something will change all the time. Um, and... I'm trying to figure out ways to actually contact my mom because I've called her and I've texted her, but I'm, I'm my phone number's blocked. So, hmm. um, yeah, I don't. I feel like she wants to be with her children and she wants to be with her grandchildren, um, and she's just she's still stuck there. And uh, you know, sometimes I just think about her and I'm like, I don't even know what kind of mental torture she's going through because if I if I speak even to you, she could get pulled back in for something because her daughter keeps saying things publicly. So in her mind, and they'll, they'll make sure she thinks this way probably, but in her mind by having this conversation and any other media conversation, you're farther hurting her. Yeah, and because I because I did speak out on the level that I did, they can then use that to go, oh, look at everything in your family and your life. Marie obviously was the SP the whole time, and she's, like, hiding in the shadows, and you didn't even know it. So that's the answer, and now your life is going to be happy that you're disconnected from her. Oh. It's been suggested to me some uh, sometimes that these people don't want to do the videos that they do, that they're being persuaded to, um... I'm sure, again, there's some to that extent, too, they're being turned against you, like, look what she's doing, look what she's doing. The best thing you can do for yourself is have this video made. Yeah, well, you wouldn't really have a choice to say no. Right. Because if you say no, they're going to investigate you, and the same as with me and Aaron, how they would assume that I have mutual ethics. If if my mom didn't go against me, then she would have mutual ethics with me. So she wouldn't have a choice. Yeah, it's like Aaron's mom. It's real easy to get mad at Aaron's mom, and I get mad at Aaron's mom when I see that video. Like, you're supposed it was it was Marie's fault. Marie is supposed to take care of him. Where was she? And I'm going, well, she was kept away from him most of the time. She was told he was dirt. And where were you? You're his mother. I have a daughter. When well, she's what, forty, I'm going to be there for her. And what you don't understand about that is that she was in the steward with us that whole time. And I think. Well, we never did anything together as a family with the Poland. Um, and she probably saw him, I want to say, maybe three to five times on a personal basis, and even the five would be a stretch um, in the five, six years we were there. And any birthday, Christmas, Mother's Day, anything like that, I would ask Aaron, do you want me to get something for your mom or do you want to get, you know, do you want to get a present, do you want to whatever? And then I would put it together 
bring it over to her desk and and drop it off for her before I got to post. And she wouldn't be there yet. There would be no interaction, but I was the one taking those those steps to be like, she's she's your mom. Like we have to do something for her on these days, right? Um, right. That, that's the natural reaction. That's uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and also, when we laughed, um, and and when we had Aaron's memorial service, it was held at my family's house with our families, Aaron's family, my family, and a couple of close friends. Um, but if she was so angry at me, why would she allow that to be held at my house? That doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and and she stayed in touch with my mom. I think we, one of my family members sold her husband a computer so he could get uh, on his feet and get a job and it was sort of like we were still all kind of interacting and doing things as a family, and she never expressed any animosity or anger towards me ever. Um, and even in the couple times that I saw her just out publicly or, you know, I gave her a ride one time and we were just chatting and stuff, and it just, the whole, that she was angry at me from the from the get-go and all of that, it wasn't real. Um, yeah. And then the other aspect, we were sitting a couple feet from each other for weeks or months doing our ethics programs and, and reading books and things in order to leave. And she never even said a word to me or asked me, what happened in your relationship? What happened with Aaron? What happened with my son? Tell me anything. Nothing. She never asked me a single question. And we were sitting there the whole time. It's it's surreal. It's really surreal. I I I don't know how to address uh, what he got the ticket for because I feel like I feel like it's important, but it's not. You know what I mean? Well, and it wasn't a part of the story for me for a long time because by the time I found that ticket was while I was emptying out our room turn it from our married dorm into a standard pure dorm for multiple people to live in. So I'm like, I'm transitioning our room for other people to live in. And wow. that was a weird experience for myself. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm going through all of his stuff with one of my friends and it's like, you're going through someone who passed away. You're getting rid of his stuff because he's gone. And then out of his software, I pull this out, and I'm like, okay, this is obviously a ticket. And then I'm looking at it, and I just see in one of the main lines it says prostitution. And at that point in the, in the mindset and in the Scientology mindset that I was in, um, I just didn't need to know anymore. I I just felt like I was so beaten down and, like, in not because of Aaron and I don't I don't blame him for this, but I was humiliated in the lifestyle of, of the steward because of what had gone on with us. And I just kind of at that point I didn't even care because he wasn't there, so there was nothing I could do about it. So it just was like, What a more is it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't he's not even here, so it doesn't matter. 
so I didn't ever look into it, but it was something I would think about every once in a while and go, I wonder what that really was. Um, and so when I was doing the story with Tony, it, even when I was talking to him, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind because it wasn't everything that had gone on. It wasn't that. And um, right. so when Tony looked into it for me and told me what it meant in terms of what side of the prostitution it was, that Aaron was prostituting. It wasn't that he was picking up a prostitute. He was the prostitute. Um, it was wow. it was something that I had to like sit and think about and just take a moment and be like, okay, so let me let me look back on it all now and um, yeah, I don't know. It happened, but I feel there were there were reasons he was trapped and there were reasons he couldn't leave, and he obviously needed some sort of outlet. Right. For that. Right. Uh, and I don't want to assume. It, it's hard to assume knowing. Okay, maybe whatever sexually, if he was gay or whatever it was. Um, I have my own opinions because I knew him and I knew how he was. Um, and in hindsight, there's certain indications, but it's also something where in the Sea Org and in Scientology homosexuality or any other than a straight and monogamous relationships are not acceptable. So even if you see tendencies in somebody, you might kind of overlook it or they're going to kind of try to tone it down for the most part. Right. It just seems like there's so much that could be done to to avoid that, avoid all the suicides in Scientology if with, just because well, like you said, they suppress the they suppress your feelings, and it's 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 it seems to me like such a other than just the the hustle and bustle of getting this taken care of and silenced, it, it seems like it's not important if someone takes their life in Scientology. They actually hurt Scientology well, by doing that. Yeah. Well, it's hard because um, now. You or I are someone who's never been there. Looking at it in retrospect, it's completely different, and it's very hard to explain how trapped you are when you're there and how much there is nothing else. You don't have anywhere to go. You don't have anywhere to turn to, and you don't have anyone that you can actually confide everything in if you're going through something like that. And to think, yeah, now my myself now, if someone were tell me to tell me that, I would have a different response to them. Or me thinking, if Aaron had told me about what was going on, or even that he had gotten the prostitution ticket, how I am now and how I think, I would respond differently than back then. Right. It'd be now you'd want to get him help of some kind, probably. Right. I mean, and then you would have been just angry at him. I would have been angry at him. I would have. I want to say I would have felt some sort of compassion, but I would have had to bring him to to Scientology for the answer still. Right. So we would, you know, like we wouldn't have thought to go elsewhere or to to get out of it. 
It's kind of so unfair to you that it happened that way, Marie. I'm sorry about that. It's extremely unfair. And that it happens to so it's many. Unfair. It's unfair to Aaron. It is. It, it really, really is. And Aaron made sure um, this touched me, uh, Marie. I talked to I talked to a lot of people who've been through um, Scientology abuses. And they all get to me a little bit. I don't know if anyone knows how emotional it is for me to hear these stories, but when I read the note that Aaron left for you, um, yeah. uh, this is minutes before I called you for this interview, um, it got to me. Uh, it's it's everything. Uh, basically, you said earlier in the interview uh, that he said that the only reason he had problems with you is he was out ethics, he took the blame for everything, and that he really truly loved you, and he just basically, if I'm not mistaken, he reaffirmed that in the letter. Yeah, so when I went to um, to the site um, and, you know, the police had to speak with me um, and they they said he left a note and it said, tell my wife I'm sorry, I love her, and I meant what I said last night. Wow. That, that's, I mean, it kind of says everything. Yeah, well, and it was something hard for me to share publicly because it was the last intimate thing between him and I. Right. Um, but especially after his mom attacking me and blaming me, I felt I had to be open and at least try to show what I felt our relationship had been. It's it's unreal. Um, gosh, I, I just I don't know if we missed anything here. Um, um, anything you can think of? Um, I don't. I was thinking of something just a second ago, and then I started crying. So. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Okay. No, they wouldn't let you cry then, so you get it out now, right? I mean, just, just... Yeah, I know. It just floods. Well, so what I was, the only other thing I was going to say is that um, regardless of, you know, the the aftermath of the aftermath and the, the situation with my family continuing, I I have shared all of this so that... Aaron does have a memory, and he didn't lose it for nothing, that someone else can hear it and be saved from the same situation. God, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, when I do these interviews and I talk to you guys, you know, I talk to you guys a lot outside the interviews, but the um, the thing uh, I, I, I take, when I say and be care, I be careful how I say this, but I take joy in what I do because I feel like I'm helping people by letting them tell their stories on on this platform, along with all the other platforms. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm helping and I feel like I'm doing good, but I also, a lot of times, um, I feel bad doing these interviews because I know when you're talking about the worst times in your life, you're reliving it as you tell it. So I have so much respect and appreciation for you uh, coming on here and telling this story, Marie. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, it's something, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to have those emotions for a long time. Um, and, and you should. I mean, it's, 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 it's your feelings. It's, it's your, it's your truth, right? I mean, yeah. there's, there's no use suppressing that. As, yeah. As long as I can share the truth and that's, that's all there is. Well, I do hope it's helpful. I, 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 I really, really do hope so. And, uh, what I do, uh, I, I think we're pretty much closing up and wrapping up the interview here. Um, at the end, if you don't mind, we have a little fun. We okay. do something called 10 questions. You know, some crazy, okay. silly questions. Yeah, we get the tears out and have a little laugh or two. Uh, some might be serious, so if you're not comfortable with a question, you can pass. So okay. uh, here we go, 10 questions with Marie Bilheimer. Am I saying your name right, Bilheimer? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, 10 questions. Number one. Um, you've been on, you've been all over the place, uh, East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. You live West Coast, but sometimes we just live, but you do prefer West Coast. Yes. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> I need to get out there and check it out. I have, I, I think I have more support for this show, and I think I have more friends online from out West than I do in my own backyard. It's so weird. Uh, <laughs> well, most of my East Coast experience with that flag in the fjord, other than like yeah, that'll hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, number two, this is kind of funny because whenever I go to Subway and I make a sub, I say I want light mayonnaise because I don't want a lot of mayonnaise. But they end up giving me diet mayonnaise. But okay. <laughs> number two, let me ask you, what's the right amount of mayo? I like a decent amount of mayo. You like your mayo? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> All right, number three, uh, true or false? Now, we know there's been people, um, a lot of brave, a lot of outspoken people speak out about Scientology uh, going back to the 80s, you know, uh, in the 70s. Maybe you go back to Paulette Cooper. But uh, true or false, uh, aftermath is the best thing that happened in the fight against Scientology to date. I think true. It's just brought so much attention that wasn't there. It, it's so more mainstream. I think winning that award was huge for just confirming and it just is, validating it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, um, the first season was why I came forward. The first season was why probably everyone in the second season said, okay, now I feel like I, I can and I need to say something. It's amazing. It's so much. It's, it, you, you do know the first season, I think I told you, the first season, the aftermath, the first episodes would inspire this podcast. Yeah. That and John Alex Wood. John Alex Wood was, uh, can take full credit for this anti-Scientology podcast if he wants. Um, <laughs> number four, <laughs> you can't use honey. So uh, what's the answer here? You catch more flies with? I don't know. You can't use honey? I just made this stuff, I know. Okay. Um, I don't know. Oh, like there's these little sticky window things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with fly traps. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with that. All right. Number five. Is pro wrestling a sport? Pro wrestling? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. We're just having fun. Uh, number six. Uh, can you say anything nice about David Miscavige? No. No. 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever got a yes on that. Um, what's that? I said simple answer, no. Simple answer, no. There, there's a longer answer to that, I imagine. A lot of longer answers. Um, number seven, true or false? Sauerkraut. <laughs> true. Okay, you like sauerkraut. Okay. <laughs> number eight, who wrote the Book of Love? Who, who, who? <laughs> the song, you know. All right. That's a silly question. I was looking for a silly answer. Thanks a lot, Marie. Number nine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number nine. Water, air, or ground? What? Water, air, or ground? Yes, you'd rather be in the water, you'd rather be flying, you'd rather be safely on the ground. I think water is good. Water is good. All right. And number 10, I always leave wide open any messages for family and friends, any messages for people uh, listening that may be helpful to them about about it, all the things we spoke about today. Sure. I mean, anyone who is still trapped there to whatever degree, um, if they are listening to this, if you're under the radar or protecting yourself or your family, that is understandable, but I feel that in the end it's better to take those steps and end the inevitable Um, because eventually, even if everything is fine, whoever is still in Scientology that you're connected with, they're eventually going to be brought to questioning your interrogations or whatever it is to resolving the situation. Um, And it's not helping them. It's not helping them to, to protect them in Scientology. So we have to get everybody out. That's it. Like, you have to speak out. You have to share your stories. And um, you don't want the people that you're protecting by by not sharing their stories. Why would you want to be keeping them in Scientology anyway? Right. You're you're ripping the Band-Aid off, basically. Yeah. All right. All right. Anything for your mother, or do you? Is that something you don't want to really address? Um. I mean, I don't think she would ever hear this. So. Never know. Um. I'm just. I'm hoping to somehow still reconnect with my mom. Um. Sooner than later, because her grandchildren are growing, and she's not going to get that time back with them. There's no going back. And I say, you know, I was saying earlier, I kind of started a point and I never went back to it. And that was, it's easy to be angry at Aaron's mom for that smear video. But we don't know how hard that was for her or if it was hard for her. We we, we don't know what went on uh, in front of that camera yeah. or behind the camera. So um, hopefully... Well, it's, easy, it, it's easy to put the blame on me for her feelings, too. So. It is, absolutely. I'm not excusing it. It was wrong and it shouldn't have happened that way. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much um, for coming on again. I really appreciate it. I'm honored that you uh, allowed me to interview on this subject, on these subjects. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So hopefully we'll stay in touch. You take care. You too. Okay. So that was Marie Billheimer, the story of Marie and Aaron. And oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah. I mean, this two deserves so much better than uh, all that all. That all went down. Uh, next week, um, 
it's been a year, a little, roughly a year, actually a year and two days from now uh, since I had Chris Shelton on the show as my first guest of the Come Get Some Extra Run where I decided to do a weekly show to keep the conversation going. And that don't let it be lost on you, and this actually came up at the end of that interview with Marie. The only reason this podcast exists, the only reason I decided to start a podcast was I was so disgusted by the treatment of Amy Scobie's rape claim and how it was treated uh, by OSA and Scientology. And I take that subject very seriously. Uh, moving on from that, of course, next week, uh, Chris and I will talk about uh, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> As you know, uh, Chris and I uh, can basically get, go off the rails sometimes and start talking about things and maybe change the subject and come back around. It's a good conversation. You should come back for it next week. Until then, stay connected, and that about sums it up. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that's bad, yep. run. I remember sitting there wishing I could just scream out loud and beg for help, but I knew if I did that, I would never see Mark again. This is the thing about real life. You can't experience the great things without the bad things. I felt like it would probably do better off if we didn't exist. And, um, you know, Tex came up with a plan on, on how to end it. He talks about a seven-year-old child. Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if he's referring to actually an adult. So let's say we change that to an adult. We say the woman shudders because the man keeps her even passionately. The fact is that she shudders. You do a big apology to me and give me my kids back. I'm still shocked by the evil. I, I, yes, even to this day, when I see a video of a former friend or family member, I'm like, this is pure evil at work.